And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about faith, hope, and love. When you read the first letter of Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Paul tells us in verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am a clanging song or resounding um, um, a clanging gong or resounding noise, a symbol. And then he says, and if I have the faith to move the mountains, and if I have the faith uh, uh, to beat my body and, and be tortured, but I have no love, I am nothing. And then he begins to break down love is patient, love is kind. It does not boast. Uh, it does not seek what is its own. Uh, love uh, is one of the greatest, greatest realities that we can have that manifests our relationship with the Lord. And towards verse 13, he says, that at the, at the end of faith, walking on water, casting out devils, doing all these mighty exploits, he says at the end of the day, three things will remain. And those are faith, hope, and love. And then he says, but the greatest of these three is love. And so what we're going to talk about today for the next three weeks, today faith, tomorrow hope, next Sunday hope, and the following Sunday love, are we're going to talk about three things that will never cease. These things will never cease. What I'm saying? Faith, hope, and love will never cease. The Bible talks about the gift, the gifts of healing. Those will cease. And why will they cease? Because when we, when we go to heaven, there will be no more need for healing. The ministry of healing is going to stop. There's going to be a time where the gift of tongues, we won't need to speak in tongues no more. That's going to stop. But what will not stop and what will be eternal forever is faith, hope, and love. And so today I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about faith. And I want you to go with me, if you will, to, to the book of Hebrews. Um, so you open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to tell Hebrews not to live like Hebrews. Let me say it again. The book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew man to tell the Hebrew church not to live like Hebrew people. And he says that. Well, he focuses his letter on that because at the time of the letter of Hebrews, he's writing to a church that used to be Jews or Judaizers. And they were Jews who now became Christians. And because of the pressure from the Jews towards Christians, some of these believers began to slip back into the rituals and the, and the old way of living regarding Judaism in order to escape the intensifying persecution against Christianity. The letter of Hebrews is written to ex-Judaizers, people who lived according to the Old Testament, but now they receive revelation as to who Jesus is, the power of Christ, and so consequently, they began to walk away from the practices of the old, and they embraced the gospel of the new. 
And when the church began to have its impact, they began to receive oppression. When the church began to manifest an impact in its community, the old system began to persecute them in an effort to stop them being what Christ called them to be. And let me submit to you, church, the moment you and I decided as a church to do what we're doing in this community, there will be opposition. There will be oppositions from those outside of the church. There will be opposition from those inside of the church. And there will even be opposition from those of us within this church as well. But I want to let you know today that opposition is an indicator of God's purpose for the church. The Bible says in Matthew 16, it says, it says that Jesus establishes the church so that what? So that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And he says that whatever you ask shall be given unto you. What am I telling you, church? That there is no such thing as an effective church without the church experiencing persecution. Can somebody say amen? amen. Persecution is a sign that the church is doing its job. Persecution is an indicator that we are walking and we are marching towards God's plan. If we're not experiencing persecution, something is wrong with the church. If we're not receiving attack, that's why the Bible says that the church will prevail. You can only prevail unless you're in a fight. You can only prevail unless you're in a struggle. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church in the midst of struggle, but guess what? The church will win. And if the church is destined to win, then the church is in a fight. We're in a fight. But how do we do this? How do we fight what the Bible calls the good fight of faith? How do we fight it? How do we fight it? Here's how we fight it with what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We fight it with faith. And look what Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 6 of chapter 11 says, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder or he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, he doesn't say without faith it is impossible to serve God. He says it is impossible to please him. You can be saved by faith through grace. That's what the Bible says. And my salvation and your salvation is the end result of my faith in Christ through grace. And the Bible says we're not saved by works so that no man could boast. So I'm saved not because of what I do, but because of what I believe in him who by grace saved me. Let me explain that. Salvation comes by grace. 
And what is grace? Unmerited favor. Grace is you don't deserve it. I'm just going to give it to you. That's grace. I'm saved by grace. But the only way I can receive it is by faith. But although I don't have to work for it, it costs a price. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for Christmas, for Christmas, for Christmas, right? Your mama buys you an Xbox, right? And if you're 18, your mama's still buying you Xbox. There's some problems here, but I'll leave it at that. Your mama buys you an Xbox. She gave you a gift which you pay nothing for. But just because you didn't pay it, right, you received it, but it cost your mama money. So even though it's free for you, it costs her a price. When we talk about salvation, salvation is free for us, however, it costs a price. And the price of my salvation was the agonizing, torturing, excruciating pain that Jesus endured in Calvary. I feel like preaching, but not yet. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. It costs pain. It costs pain for us to be saved. That wasn't cheap. Now, 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 Jesus said, Paul says, that Jesus endured the suffering of the cross because of the passion of the end result of Calvary. What does that mean? That while Jesus was physically in pain, crying on the cross, while he was in pain, there was a part of him that was happy. Not because he liked the pain, not because he liked to get whipped, not because he liked to get crucified, but because he knew that this pain was going to produce a greater, powerful, successful result in those that believed in him. So while, so while he was dying, he was passionate about his death. So while he was dying, he understood that his pain, that his struggle, that his agonizing was going to take Jesus to another realm. That's why in the prayer of Gethsemane, and I'm so hot, that's why in the prayer of Gethsemane, Jesus says, if it's your will, Lord, if it's possible, pass this cup over me. Lord, I don't want to die. I'm going to get whipped, and I'm going to get beaten, and I'm going to get scourged, and they're going to castigate me, and they're going to beat me like a dirty dog, and I'm going to struggle, and I'm going to struggle. And while he's saying he don't want to do it, he reminded himself of the purpose. He reminded himself of the reason, and then he closes out his prayer, but not my will be done but yours be done. That's why prayer is important because sometimes when you're going through heartache, the first thing you should do is pray. You know why? Because when Jesus started out praying, his prayer, he was like, I don't want to die. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to get crucified. But when he finished his prayer, we, when he started his prayer, he didn't want to die. But by the time he finished his prayer, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. You'd be surprised how you can overcome the situations of life if you learn how to pray in the middle of your pain. Give me a mic. Give me a mic. I'm going to preach.
Hallelujah. An hour ago, he wasn't willing to die on the cross, but it was the pain of Calvary. It was the pain of Gethsemane that while he was in pain, he began to trust in his father. Can, can I preach like I want to preach? When the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Some of us, when we think about faith, we think about positive thinking. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. But faith is not positive thinking. Let me give you an example. I can have enough positive thinking. I, I, I can have positive thinking and say this. I think that I can walk to the edge of the stage and I can keep on walking and levitate towards the air. I could think that, but how many know that just because I think it doesn't mean it's going to happen? Now, now, now you say, but the Bible says, ask and you shall receive, but you're asking for foolishness because the same God who gives you the faith is the same God that made the law of gravity. And God is not going to violate one law to establish another. God is not going to, can I preach? So he says, he says, he says, he says, when I, when I tell you to have faith, I'm not talking about I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. What I'm talking about faith is without faith. The word faith is from the Greek, which means pistis. Somebody say pistis. No, no, say, say pistis. Like, like, like you've been pissed. Pistis. The word faith is the word pistis. <laughs> and what does that mean? It means, it means, it means. It means to have trust. So when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about walking on air. When I talk about faith, I'm talking about trusting God. Now, the only way you can trust somebody is if somebody has been there for you the only way I trust my wife to be faithful to me is because there has been times that she could have left me with somebody else but she said I'm going to stay with my little skinny man I'm going to stay with my bald headed looking 45 old looking and the reason why she trusts me is because I made it my business that in spite of temptations and in spite of doors that open, that's my woman, that's the sugar in my coffee, that's the glaze on my donut, that's the ketchup on my fries, that's the syrup of my pancake, and I don't want you because I want her. So, so I can go and leave the house and preach around the world because I trust her. What the Bible says, that without faith, he's saying without trust. Now, how do you trust somebody? You trust somebody in the midst of a struggle. You trust somebody in the midst. There are some people that you can't trust. There are some people that you know, that you know, that you know, that in the middle of your pain, you can't call them, no, no, because you can't trust them, because they tell you, hello, I love you, but the moment you're in pain, they don't pick up your phone call, they don't answer you, right? Yeah. John, whenever you need somebody, give me a call. The moment I need you, I, you block me out of Facebook, I can't get you on Instagram, I can't find you on YouTube, I mean, you... 
some people that you know that you know that you know it could be four o'clock in the morning and they're gonna pick up the phone it could be three o'clock in the morning and they're gonna pick up the phone the bible says without faith it is impossible to please god what that means is that means is that in order to trust God in that capacity what God does is how do you trust God how do you trust God how do I trust God do I trust God because of what somebody else said no no I trust God because of what God has done for me I trust God because of how God has delivered me but the only way God can deliver me is if I'm in the middle of a mess I can't call God a deliverer if he's never delivered me I can't call God a healer if he's never healed me I can't call God a friend if he's never been there for me but how do I know he's a friend when you leave me he's there how do I know he's a healer when I'm sick he heals me so the pain I go through is the only way I can tell of a God that I can have faith in he says he says without faith it is impossible to please God hallelujah and then he begins to tell the church in Hebrews because these guys were about to quit in the towel they were about to give up on Jesus church got so hard that they decided it's time to pack up and go we gonna go back to Judaism we gonna go back to sacrificing lambs so the writer says wait 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 before you backslide before y'all leave the church let me tell y'all something I'm going to write about some folk in the Bible to remind you about the power of trusting God and he mentions people like Abraham he mentions people like Isaac he mentions people like Jacob he mentions people like Sarah he mentions people like Samson they, they were in their down and in their out but one thing all these guys had in common Samson lost his vision but he trusted in the Lord Sarah couldn't have a baby, but she trusted the Lord. Abraham left his house, but he trusted the Lord. Joseph got betrayed by his brothers, but he trusted the Lord. And the writer says, if he did it to Joseph, and he did it to Samuel, and he did it to David, and he did it to Mary, he's going to do it for you. Don't you never tell him, all I need is faith. 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 I'm going to trust God when I can't see him. I'm going to trust God when I don't see him. Because it's not by sight. It is by faith. So the question is, how do you trust? Because let me tell you this. If, 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 if your problem is what helps you to trust God, well, then everybody can trust God because Christians have trouble. But also people that are not Christians have trouble. Everybody has trouble. But the difference, somebody say preach. But the difference between my trouble and an unbeliever's trouble is that my trouble is anchored with something called the Word of God. That's why the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I might have your trouble and you might have my trouble. But what makes a difference in my trouble is the fact that for everything I go through, there's a word for my spirit. 
So when you're going through fear, as the world is going through fear, they run away and get crazy. But in the middle of my fear, what does the Bible says? Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of who shall I be afraid? In the middle of my fear, God turns on the light. In the middle of my fear, the darkness has got to go so I can confront fear by the power of the Word of God. Hallelujah. So if you are hurt like the world is hurt, the difference between the world and me is that for my hurt, there's a word. Psalms 18.2 says this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my God my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield. Let me break it down. He says, he says, he says, God is my rock. I'm glad he didn't call himself a sand. I'm glad he didn't call himself a pebble. He is the rock that when the storms comes and blow, it won't move. He won't quiver because he's the same yesterday, today. But not only is he a rock, what kind of God is this? That he's a rock when I need him, but he's a shield as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a shield. So when the devil throw me the dart, the same God that becomes solid becomes my protector, becomes my defender, becomes my the Not only that, he is my shield, but then he is the horn of my salvation. What does a horn mean? Can I preach like I want to preach? Here's the power of a horn. Whenever they were getting ready to go to battle, they had different types of horn. One horn was to let the army know that battle was about to happen. But then at the end of the battle, when the people won the fight, they will sound the horn again as to tell the people, victory is ours. I'm here to tell you today, God is blowing the horn, letting you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If you've been sick, the difference between you and the world, that in my sickness, there's a word for me. And Isaiah 53 and 5 says, he, somebody say he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. But by his stripes, we are now healed. So now, when I go through my sickness, all I gotta do is look at he. Because if he got sick for me, his healing is my healing. His resurrection is my resurrection. And I'm not gonna cry in the midst of my sickness. I'm gonna say, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We go on, we go on. I got three more minutes. In the middle of abandonment. I don't know if you've ever felt abandoned. Hallelujah. But in the middle of your abandonment, there's a word from the Lord for you. 
Deuteronomy 31 8 says the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you he will never leave you nor forsake you do not be afraid do not be discouraged so baby you can leave me alone you can get me out of Facebook I can be by myself but just because I'm alone doesn't mean I'm lonely just because I'm alone doesn't mean I'm lonely because the Father So if you've been rejected, if you've been rejected, just like the world's been rejected, there's a word for you. Psalms 27 and 10 says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord, somebody say the Lord, will sustain me. Your girlfriend left you, baby, keep on living. Your boyfriend left you, honey, keep on living. Your friends left you, baby, keep on living. From a thousand likes on Facebook, you only got two. Keep on living, because they may leave you. But Jesus says, behold, I will be with you always until the end of time. Pastor, I've been through unemployment. I lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Things are tight. It's crazy. Just like the world loses their job. But you got something the world don't got. You got a word. Psalm 54 and 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. So now in the middle of my fear, in the middle of my hurts, in the middle of my betrayal, in the middle of my sickness, in the middle of my abandonment, in the middle of my rejection, I saw God be by my side. I saw God heal my body. I saw God deliver me. That's why when the next big mess come, I'm not afraid. I can trust the Lord because the Bible says without trust, it's impossible to please God. But I can confide in him because he did that. He did that. He did that. He did that. struggles that's why Paul I'm, I'm done we leave it we leave it that's why Paul the Apostle look what he says the Paul the Apostle says when struggles come your way psychopathic he's psychopathic Paul says when the trials come your way he says don't run away from them he says receive them as friends how can you receive somebody as a friend that's out to hurt you how do you receive somebody as a friend that's out to destroy you ain't no coincidence no coincidence that when Jesus heard Peter try to defend him he called him a devil but when Jesus got betrayed by Judas he called him a friend I don't understand that how is it possible that somebody that does you good Jesus calls bad and somebody that does you bad Jesus calls good because if Judas had not betrayed Jesus Jesus would have never gone to the Sanhedrin had he not gone to the Sanhedrin he would never got whipped on his back had he not got whipped on his back he would never gone to the cross had he not gone to the cross
struggle and your heartache. That's what God is going to use to grow and increase your level of faith. It's not when you don't go through stuff. It's actually the contrary. It's when you go through hell. Job said this. I know that my Redeemer lives. When did he say that? After he went through his hell. Had he not gone through his hell, he had nothing to say. But it is in your struggle. It is in your heartache. It is in your pain. That you can look back at all of the episodes of life. And now in your present circumstance you can say, I choose to trust him because he's been faithful. Because all the while I've been through, all the hell I've been through, there was a word God gave me that sustained me in the midst of my fire. And God says this to a church. Out faith. It is impossible to please God. Because when the rubber meets the road what matters is how you react when all hell goes against you that's what pleases God not that you come and you put on your Sunday's best that don't please God what pleases God is that when you go through all you go through and you still say I'm gonna trust you God you've been faithful now here's the power of faith let me tell you the power of faith. Faith is always connected with your past. Faith is always connected to your past. Why do we have faith in Jesus? Not because of what he's going to do. Because of what he did 2,000 years ago. My faith is anchored in past. Why do you believe that God can do a miracle in your today? Because you might witness God doing a miracle in your yesterday. Your faith is always connected to your history. That's why Jesus said, the Bible says, the Bible says, God the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And then Paul says, three things, only three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. It's no coincidence that God is the same yesterday with deals with your past. And faith is connected to your past. What is, what is God saying? If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and faith is connected to your path, your faith is anchored on Christ. He's the same yesterday. Now, now he's the same forever forever has to do with hope we hope for things that are not yet Paul says I have not apprehended that which I want to apprehend but one thing I'm doing forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things that are for but but hope always has to do with tomorrow forevermore so you have faith that deals with yesterday you have hope that deals with forevermore and then you have love that deals with 
today. So here's what I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you to walk and work and live your faith trusting God. And let's no longer get pissed at people. Let's piss this people. Why are you pissed? I'm not pissed. I'm pissed this. Let's stop being pissed at people and let's start pissing. Because I could can, I can get pissed at you. Oh, you did that to me? I, I got you. I'm going to cut you up on Facebook tomorrow at 3.15. Watch out. But while you're pissing me off, I'm going to piss this Christ. I'm going to take that pain and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. If you allow me to go through that, you're going to get the glory. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust Him without faith. It's impossible to please Him. Don't just be a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I got a one-pass ticket. No, 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 no. All these guys that the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote, wrote about, they weren't just believers. They weren't just... If, if they had not gone through what they went through, then nobody would have wrote of them. But the writer mentions Joseph, Daniel, Rahab, one thing in common they had an option to quit on God but they trusted him they had an option to give their backs on the Lord yet their faith in God please got to the point that thousands of years later they wrote of these guys who were dead and gone your greatest legacy you can live leave is your level of faith in God in the midst of your crisis so let's do this. Let's walk in faith. Let's live in faith. Let's honor God in faith. On your feet.